Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast with your host, me, Archie Gravener. This is the podcast that combines the worlds of fitness, success, and entrepreneurship to empower you on your own journey of greatness. On this journey, you're going to be meeting some incredibly interesting people and hearing some incredibly interesting backstories. So you can take the lessons, you can take the insights from these conversations and implement it into your own life. One thing I'd ask for anyone listening to this, if you enjoy what you listen to, please share it on social media. Tell your friends, tell your family. It means more to me than you know. Kieran, welcome to the Fit for Success podcast, man. I appreciate you being here. Um, we just had a whirlwind to get this podcast going, both going to the wrong location. So yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah, and for anyone listening to this who doesn't know who you are, um, just give us a, a brief uh, elevator pitch. Yeah, so uh, I'm Kieran, I'm the founder of Total Mental Performance, so I'm a mental performance coach uh, and I lead the world's fastest growing mindset service dedicated to fitness entrepreneurs and coaches, helping them ultimately unlock psychological freedom, peak performance and building a mind where you become resilient, abundant and ultimately getting more shit done. Yeah, so how, how did you get into Total Mental Performance? Where did that come from? And what was the, the drive to go to that position? It wasn't, um, there was no, like, I think a lot of people when they build businesses, they're like, this is my niche, this is my avatar. There was no, like, you know, real specific, this is what I want to do. The only thing I wanted to work with was high performance and ambitious minds. So that was the key thing. Um, you kind of have to go back through the whole story. So it goes back to um, when I was 12, I started boxing. Boxed for eight years, made the national team, wasn't good enough to make Team GB. Kind of found my level, championship football, premiership football. And boxing is a high performance sport. It is all, how can I be the best at what I do? And within that process, I, I won quite a lot of fights, but I also ended up with an eating disorder. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of limiting beliefs. Uh, I ended up with depression and trying to take my own life. So I was in a really dark spot and it was my ambition that took me to that, that dark spot. And then I started working for a lady called Hazel Gale. Hazel saved my life. I say this time and time again, I wouldn't be on the planet without Hazel. And she um, is a cognitive hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner and peak performance coach. And her background, she was a world box kickboxing champion, British boxing champion. Um, she, she doesn't even coach and do therapy anymore. She, she's now just raised a million dollars to go and launch uh, her new uh, AI therapy platform, which is just, is, but she's just on a completely different league and level. So I, I came to her with, uh, I'm depressed, I can barely brush my teeth and I've got a binge eating disorder. She took me from that to getting back in the boxing, back in the England team, uh, eventually growing out of that, going into software sales for six years, working in London, selling into Europe and into the States and building a very successful career there. So she really was the catalyst for me to go, hang on, all right, this, this the mind stuff's quite interesting. And software sales is psychology. It's very similar to sports. It's what you get out, it's what you put in. You have to be able to adapt. You have to ride the ups, the downs, the emotions. And you have to ask great questions because that's all sales and coaching is. It's just asking great questions. So it was a very natural trans transition from the boxing into the the sales and after that i then studied on the side as a cognitive hypnotherapist nlp presentation just like hazel and studied a load of other things around peak performance and mindset so when you think about high performance and you think about psychology that's what boxing and uh, so international software sales is 
it is all about performance. So it wasn't as if it was like this crazy leap into something completely new. I kind of already knew the questioning. I already was used to speaking to people and understanding what drives them and, and how they work. I was used to being gritty and resilient and picking myself up if I got my ass kicked. And so it was taking all of that experience on top of a couple of failed businesses within that, that journey. Um, and it got to the end of my sales career. I was enjoying coaching the team and the younger people more than I was actually closing deals. So then uh, COVID hit and I was like, well, I have enough money to not have to work for a, for a while. So I just took a year out uh, and I'd already completed my qualifications. And I was just coaching lots of people in my network for free. And these were mainly sales directors, uh, managing directors, kind of at that more corporate level. And that was great. And, you know, picked up lots of experience and fun. And that was me as a solo coach. Then um, I got invited out to speak here in Dubai from uh, one of your old mentors, Adam Haley. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go along. So I packed for, for four days. I spoke at um, his inner circle event and ended up signing half the room. So now I'm like, oh, I'm not oversubscribed. And I just delivered on all of those clients and they all kept referring me clients. And then they kept referring me clients. Next thing you know, within three months, I'm like, okay, that, that, that all happened in November 2020. And then it was like over the Christmas period, I was like, you know what? I'm actually, this isn't just Kira anymore anymore. I'm going to build a brand. So TMP was born on January 2021. That's where the, the logo and what we built. So then from there, I was like, right, well, I want to build a men's performance company for high performers and ambitious individuals. And what I found was my values aligned more with fitness coaches because they want to help people. They're very driven, they're very coachable, and they want to go out and do cool shit in a really positive way. So um, I then hired Kate, so Dr. Kate Blackford. She's got a PhD in organizational psychology. Um, very, very bright woman. It's 20 years of business management experience going into some of the business biggest businesses um, in her industry. And as a consultant going, right, here's how you build a high-performance, safe psychological environment for those teams. And she got fully booked, so then I created another tier, and it kind of just grew organically from from there. So now we're a small team, small team of six, uh, three coaches, uh, marketing and operations manager, uh, intern, and just, uh, just an everyman, so to speak, going across the business and, and consulting on top of a number of different partners. So that's really the f common thread that kind of took us to where we do what we do today. Yeah, that's really cool. And I didn't know TMP was that new. I didn't realize it was like 2020. Um, I think from uh, an outsider, but also I've, I've worked with you guys, you're a very like mature business. It feels, it doesn't feel new, which I think is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. I hope that's a compliment. Um, and kudos to you for building something that special in that period of time as well. Um, so everything that you just said, you went from boxing into sales, all of these different things that require high performance. Do you feel like you're coaching your old self? Um, yeah, but very much so. I mean, look at the coaching that we've done. So those listening to this, Archie is incredibly bright and, he's, and, he, and he wants it and he's driven and he wants to win. And I saw something in Archie uh, right at the beginning of his coaching career and I saw a lot of myself in you. I saw that you're ambitious, you are hungry, but you're also, you were a little bit insecure and you were, there, was a, there was a part of you that didn't feel enough. And this, this drive and this ambition was trying to be fueled by your wanting to do good. But there's a an element of dark energy in there that was just wasn't serving you. So Archie came through our group coaching program, came in, grew, scaled, did really, really well. And then he graduated into um, our one-to-one -one coaching program. And normally, I don't coach coaches at, at 
where you were at when you signed up. I was used to coaching most of the business mentors or, or coaches with teams and, and whatever, but you were one of my younger protégés. <laughs> and I was like, I want to see Archie really go and do well and, and go and do some incredible things. So for me, uh, absolutely. And my view is you can have high performance, peak, peak performance. You can build successful businesses without having to be a ruthless prick. Mm-hmm. And you can do that without having to do that solely on not feeling enough and not out of scarcity. You can do that out of abundance. So, yeah, I would say I would say so. Um, my ambition was the thing that really took, led me to take my own life. So my view is I don't want any other ambitious, high-performing person to fall into that because it's just unnecessary. Mm. And there's not everyone will go that way, but it can spiral if you're not careful so yeah i think even even to a point of like it doesn't have to be that extreme of like it it takes you to a point of taking your own life but to the point of little frustrations on the day-to-day not quite enjoying your own life and if you can tap into that mental performance side of things and, um, and and really get your mindset working for you it can just make you a lot happier and more fulfilled even if you're not in a bad place like i wasn't in a bad place um but yeah, tell me a bit more about that as well. You just said that your ambition almost led you to taking your own life. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? So I pinned all of my self-worth on my external achievement. And if we think about ambitious men, what are they typically measured on? Physically, do they have a six-pack or can they physically cause damage insofar as fighting? Number one. Number two, how much money do they make? So those, those six-pack, can you fight and how much money can you make? I took that literally. So you box, you go into software sales and you try and prove that you're number one all the time. But I did it to the point of self-implosion mm-hmm. and I had undiagnosed ADHDs. That wasn't, that wasn't helping either. And I was basically taking on too much. I was trying to run a startup while selling software, whilst fighting for England, operating on 1,200 calories a day, training two to three times a day sometimes. Stupid, but it <laughs> gave me a lot of, uh, it gave me a lot of uh, experience and I, I learned a hell of a lot. So that's kind of where I lost control of the ship. Now, all of our clients, or most of our clients, aren't in a place where they don't want to be here anymore. They're in a place of, I know there's another level, but I feel stuck. I know there's another level, but I'm not sure what that is. And it's about helping them understand those emotions, changing their relationship with those emotions, dialing them down a little bit, and replacing them with more positive states. And, and that's... Having gone to the dark depths of therapy... I learned that there was a number of tools in the dark depths of therapy that you could use in a performance environment. And that's kind of our secret source where we have highly qualified therapists on top of people with business experience and entrepreneurial experience because the entrepreneurial mind is very different to other minds. You have to be a scientist and an artist. You have to have an appetite for risk. You have to have an appetite for anxiety and fear and and doubt. And you kind of need to to balance that. So that's kind of where we've created our our own little movement, so to speak. And that's where it's really picked up. Yeah, I think I think it's a really big thing that I see with my own clients. Obviously, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, business owners, property investors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And a big thing, and a big theme that we see um, is that when their business isn't doing too well, and when they have an absolute shitter for whatever reason, is that they have an awful time themselves personally. Whereas I think the best business owners are the ones that can stay at a level field, whether they're doing like really well, they don't get overexcited, or when it goes down. They, they don't go down and, and they have that sort of mental fortitude and mental resilience. Um, what, what do you think is like one thing that potentially you see on a day-to-day basis or week-to-week basis with your clients that's a common theme that holds people back from having that resilience? So a new client comes in, what's like the most common theme that stops them from having that? 
depends on which level. So we've got three tiers. We've got our entry-level program, we've got our senior program, we've got our founder program. So for my clients, I usually have a team of, of coaches. Um, and outside of that, I do coach CEOs and executives. I only coach a handful, but I need as a different puzzle. So if we're talking more of my, my high net worth clients, those with bigger organizations, um, a lot of it is isolation, so they don't feel like they can open up to people. So the, the leaders usually eat last, right? So they kind of help everyone, help, 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 but they often don't take help for themselves. So for those clients, it's helping them realize, well, actually, you can move a hell of a lot faster if you do raise your hand and you do that. But whether that's society, whether that is just a fear of appearing vulnerable or weak, they won't go get the help. So they kind of stay stuck in this bubble. Um, Things that are driving that might be fear of failure, self-doubt, not feeling enough. Every human being doesn't feel enough in a number of different ways. So it's helping them unpack that and rewire that to go, well, hang on. Well, for the, the metaphor, the example you used there was if business isn't working, they feel like they're losing. So it's creating space between the business is something you do, but you're not the business. Same with me at TMP. Sure, I might spend 70% of my waking hours on TMP. But I like to box. I've, I've picked it up again recently and doing lots more pads and I love that I also love football I'm a huge Arsenal fan obsessed absolutely obsessed <laughs> um, you know uh, I like I like eating good actual like local authentic food I like going out to, to those places um, but TMP isn't Kieran and I think creating that separation between the financial or the delivery results of the business versus the entrepreneur or the business owner is really important because you place yourself worth in the external world and the external world we cannot control we can only internal we can only control our internal world so how can you fit that on its head well if you get really clear on your values so for me my three core values are be water we adapt we create we deliver be honor be transparent we always do the right thing and be love all of our clients as a human being on the other end of the phone so that's my filter so my self-worth comes from how well was I living by my values. And if the TMP company isn't performing how I want it to perform, that doesn't mean that I'm not enough. It means that the company's not performing how it needs to perform, obviously. But it's not so obvious when you're in it. So it's creating that separation of, I really give a shit about this organization. I really give a shit about the people that we're helping. But I, um, it's not me. If, if I, there's a perceived backward step in that in that organization or that thing that I like to do that's not Kieran that doesn't mean Kieran's not enough it means we need to work on that um, and that separation is really the the big the big key point yeah I think it was a massive key point for me like I used to connect my self-worth with my business so much and it really just drains your energy it doesn't do anything else other than drain your energy and make you feel like shit uh, and then you get some energy when it goes well, but that's soon to come straight back down when the next month's not too too good or as good. Um, so I think being able to separate that is, is it's a superpower almost for, for the majority of people because you then have the extra 20% of energy that's not been drained out of you that you can push back into uh, into something else. Um, so yeah, how how do you how do you overcome that? For someone listening to this, it's like, oh, holy shit, they're talking about me right now. Like, mm. this is a personal podcast. Um, how do you how do you overcome that? Yeah, you got to go back to the root cause in childhood. This is so interesting, by the way. Like, the childhood mm. stuff blew my mind, man. When when you started talking to me about the childhood stuff first and foremost, I was like, nah, BS. Mm. <laughs> and then we got into it. I was like, oh shit, this is <laughs> this is real stuff. All right, well, let's challenge some of your vulnerability in leadership, right? Mm. 
so you tell me what was the the insecurity that was coming up and how was that linked back to your childhood yeah there, there was a there was a few different things um for me it was the, the main sort of thing that came up when we went through it was every every single time we sort of circulated back to my childhood so we'd rewind two years two years two years and we'd get back to like the first memory of i don't know three or four years mm. old everything it came back to was people telling me I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't be who I wanted to be. So throughout my, all of my years at school, whether that's through the very early years or the later years, whatever I wanted to do with my time, whatever I wanted to do with my learning style, um, wherever I wanted to go in life, I was always told that's wrong and this is right. You have to fit into this pigeonhole. Uh, and I think that created the insecurity of like, on one half of it like my true self knew what i needed to do and knew what i wanted to do but you have a hundred people over here screaming at you that, that that's wrong and it might not necessarily have been a massive thing that there's this one moment that it all boiled over but there was all these niggling little things where we rewinded and rewinded and it was like you were told this a thousand times every single year but very very quietly and that built up and built up and it built up so i think that was the the big theme that came through for me um and like rewinding to the childhood and actually having that really vivid picture in your in your head of like telling ex Archie how he should feel and stuff like that. It was just like really refreshing to be able to do that. Um so yeah, tell tell us a bit more about that and why the why the whole like rewinding mm. to your childhood and why why it's so important. Yeah. So that's exactly how it works. So if we look at Archie as a as a case study, so to speak, we identified there was an insecurity in our self doubt. So, right, okay, well, where does that... And we all have them, by the way. No one gets out of childhood without them. We all don't feel enough and we all don't feel lovable. So anyone that's listening to this, it's probably resonating. You, nobody gets out of childhood alive, unless you're a psychopath. And psychopaths, are, they are just different different animals. Um, but you essentially isolate... For me, my process is I isolate the emotions or the limiting beliefs that are stopping you from performing. So whether that's procrastination, overanalysis, overthinking, whether that is stress or, or guilt, shame, sales, all those various different things that can come up. I isolate, okay, what's the emotion and what is it that this guy believes about himself to be true? Once we've isolated the emotion and the belief, we go back to well, where does that come from? Where was that idea born? Because that's what beliefs are. They're thoughts with other thoughts attached to them with evidence from the outside world that that is why somebody is like they are. So in that moment, we then go, okay, well, that belief was born when Archie was five, or when he was seven. Okay. And as kids, we think in black or white. We don't think in the gray. So back then, we make everything about us. Well, it must be me. I must be the problem. Uh, and everything is good or bad. So that's when you pick up beliefs. I'm good at this, or I'm not good at this. Even today, I have a belief that I'm shit at football. <laughs> my dad was my manager. We were bottom of the bottom league, and he still benched me every game. So even as an adult, I might be in the park knocking a football around. And as soon as the ball lands on my feet, I'm like, oh, you're going to fuck this up. You're going to fuck this up. And, I, and I'm so consciously aware of it. I can feel that you are shit at this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Because as a kid, I made a decision that I was shit at football. And maybe the objective of reality is you are shit at football. And that's fine. <laughs> but if you can surrender to that, that's okay. It's not an issue. Because it's not my playing ability. It's not something that I value. Um, so when you go back to there, you're essentially having a conversation with that younger self. And we're doing that in a state of altered consciousness where Archie has his eyes closed. He's focusing on that, that child and he's saying what needs to be said. And then if you think of that, that moment, almost like we're 
re rewriting a line of code in the unconscious mind that that just wasn't working so it's there's there's bugs coming up in his present reality of stress or anxiety or whatever that is well then you take him back to the present having had that conversation having let go of that well that's not enough because we don't live in the past we live for the future so at that point we're trying to get archie to visualize himself experiencing the same problem that from before in the future and if the answer is yeah i feel much better i feel much more calm collected then we know that his unconscious mind is uh, the code is set so that happens in you know 60 to 90 minute one-to-one session and it's very specialist and it's very very one-to-one but that is why we're able to generate results so fast compared to what anyone else is doing out in the market yeah, so it's, it was really, really cool. Um, even sitting here listening to it, I'm just having like flashbacks to when we were doing it uh, and it kind of just blowing my mind. Um, so obviously that's very specialist, like you say, 60 to 90 minute sessions. Is there is there anything that someone listening this to this can do themselves, maybe just after this podcast, put some noise cancelling headphones on? Is there anything that anyone can do to like just immediately improve their self-doubt or anxiety or fear of failure? Um, there's nothing they can do to to get rid of it or overcome it but there's two things they can do to explore it um one is getting a a piece of paper writing down a challenging emotion that's getting in the way and then draw a timeline from when i was born to today and then just write off lots of little memories you have connected to that emotion and keep going back as far as you possibly can you'll be really surprised as to the memories that come up and that's just going to give you an awareness as to where this comes from it doesn't mean that you can reprocess that but you just understand that okay because once you understand where an emotion comes from, that almost reduces it by 10, 20%. Because you're like, oh, that's why I'm like I am. That makes sense. So that's one way to, to help it. Um, fear is never going to go away. So you have to learn to accept that this is an inherent part of being a human being. Do you, uh, think, do you think fear is healthy? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I was I'm so driven by fear. Mm. I'm so driven by fear. Like if, if something's scaring me, I'll just I have to tackle it head on. Otherwise, it would just defeat me. Right. So I think it can be very, very useful. Yeah, and fear, chemically, fear and excitement are very similar in the body. Because if you think about a feeling and emotion, emotion is how, uh, emotion is a chemical response and a physiological response to an external stimulus. A feeling is the beliefs and the stories that you have about that emotion in relation to the circumstance, if that makes sense. So... My job is to identify the emotions and then update the feeling. So if you feel fear, often that emotion is very similar to excitement. So you can change your relationship with it and go, okay, well, this is evidence. So for me, if I feel fear or imposter syndrome, I go, well, that is evidence I'm going to another level. That is evidence I'm going to another level. And I felt this time and time again. I felt this before every single big fight. I felt this before every single big pitch. And I was fine. I never died. It never never killed me. So that this is in a context of not life or death situations, but in a, in a commercial context. What is business? It's two people walking in a room and saying things and then typing key things into a keyboard. That's what that's what business is. <laughs> it's so true. It's not it's not this magic thing. It is just conversations and sure you might build some automations that might be behind a, a laptop. Somebody else is looking at some numbers and then that's it. So when you look at it, it's the stories that you tell yourself about what that means that makes it an issue and what that means in relation to who you think you are versus what the world thinks you are so i appreciate that's a little bit philosophical um but if you can change your relationship with fear and go well this is evidence i'm going to another level try and override that you've learned to override that 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 state to go i need to do that this is evidence i'm going to learn and grow 
yeah, I think usually on the other side of fear, there is something very exciting waiting for you anyway. Again, not when you've got a gun to your head or, or something like that, but from, like you say, the commercial standpoint, and if we're talking about business or whatever, but even if you put it in the context of you're about to jump out of a plane, people do that for fun, but before they go, they're scared, and that's why it's fun. Going on roller coasters, they're scared, and that's why it's fun. So there's definitely something to, to fear being exciting. I, I think you taught me a little tip of like when you are feeling scared and when you are feeling fear to just say out loud I'm excited because it is that same chemical reaction you almost like trick your brain a tiny bit yeah. um, so I still I still use that to this day as well <laughs> yeah if you, essentially I got you to change your relationship with fear that's all we did mm. we didn't do anything or we, we did a lot on the emotional work but once we'd laid the emotional foundation then when the fear wasn't so intense that it was hijacking you that's when we started to change your relationship with it so I'm excited I'm feeling these emotions. So for me, my my um, my way of processing that is, well, this is evidence I'm going to another level. Good. I want to go to another level. Bring it on. Yeah. Uh, I got invited to go on the radio uh, here in Dubai uh, back end of last year. I'd never been on the radio before. And that feeling came up of, who are you to go on the radio? Who are you to be, you know, being played to hundreds of thousands of people in, in a moment? And I went, hang on a minute. It's just a live podcast. There's no different. I do loads of podcasts. And anyway, the fact that I'm feeling this is good because it's evidence I'm going to another level. I've never been on the radio before. So you feel those feelings and you go, all right, next. Okay, next. And when you have those that, I hate the phrase coping mechanism because uh, my me and my clients aren't here to cope. It's a thriving mechanism, so to speak. I love that. When you have that thriving mechanism, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I went through something very similar uh, you were talking about when you were going on the radio. I imagine you were probably shaking a bit, sweating a bit, that type of stuff before you went on. Um, I got asked to do a little talk at uh, like a mentorship thing, 200 other coaches in the room, and I hate public speaking. And when I got up there, so I got put on the spot as well. It wasn't like I'd be able to plan it. Held the microphone and everyone could see the microphone shaking in my hand like this. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But And then there was this sudden mindset flip. I was like, no, this means like you're being asked to give value to 200 other coaches for a reason because you've got value to give them. So you should be excited about this. It's a completely new level. And then all of a sudden, like the shaking stopped, I just felt confident. Um, so it's so interesting how it's all in your head. It really is like you're able to flip that, flick that switch sometimes if you have the tools to do so. Uh, but if you don't have the tools to do so and you don't have that mental fortitude and resilience, it can eat you up. Like the other way to go there when my hand was shaking and I was sweating and I was anxious and nervous would be to walk off stage and make an excuse to, to get off there and, and go somewhere else. But I think tackling it head on and ultimately doing what you, what you know you should do is probably the best way to best way to overcome that fear as well. Um, I would say, I mean, it's the same with like building confidence as well, right? It's like, just do what you said you're going to do and it's going to lead you to some cool places rather than continuing to quit on yourself and cancel on yourself. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and when it comes to mental performance, uh, mental performance is obviously a very interesting term because when we say performance, usually I think majority of people would normally go to the physical. How intertwined and related do you believe mental performance is with physical fitness, with health, with uh, healthy nutrition, training, etc.? Yeah, I think the old, the old school view of you go to psych a psychologist for your mind and a, and a coach or a trainer for your body. It's, it's ridiculous. Because if you don't have the energy physiologically, you don't have the energy psychologically. I started boxing again recently and that, my mental sharpness is 
dramatically improved because my cardiovascular has dramatically improved and that clarity and that processing of emotions and the energy that I have is, is so much better than before when I was following mainly a bodybuilding split to try and put some size on put the size on and I got to the point where I was like right this is it now I've had enough time to tighten back up so they, they are deeply interlinked if you want to be um and just the same principles of discipline you do the work you go to the gym you eat the food you do your stretching you know all of that translates into every other every other area of your life and so for us it's a case of like we i mean let's use you as an example i spot we got your mental performance when you was working with me one-to-one -to, -one to an absolutely solid place but i could see that your physical performance wasn't dialed in now i'm not uh, i i can't do that that's not what i do so we brought in Joe Parrish from the HPC to come and tidy that up because I knew there was another level to you. Your problem was energetic at this point. It wasn't emotional. So when you went to the HPC and they helped you train better, eat better, give you a different energy, a different vibe, a different perspective on what you're doing, well, that completely changed the game for you. So you was already good and great. I was just trying to make you even more good and more great. So they are deeply in, intertwined. If you look at trauma, trauma, a lot of it's stored in the muscle and in the body. So think about, think about uh, I don't know, fear. Where in your body do you feel it? Where would you point? Chest and head. Right. Some people feel it in their stomach. Some people feel it in their hands. Wherever you experience that emotion will always be sitting in the muscle and be sitting in the body. So you have to understand that it's not just all up here I'm pointing my head those uh, listening to this it's not all up in the mind it's it's in the body as well so they are deeply interlinked and if your body's performing better your mental health your mental performance is performing better and vice versa if you have a lot of more emotions that are holding you back from actually just getting into the gym when you shift that that's where you kind of see that total transformation start to happen yeah I love that like, that's exactly what we aim to do with with everyone that comes on board with us all the business owners and entrepreneurs that work with us get ultimately get everything firing a, across uh, every single area uh, and, and I always say this but I've never worked with someone who's improved their physical performance improved their energy improved their confidence and the mental side of things has got worse I've never ever never ever seen that it, it always has a correlation that when this improves I feel better about this I deal with the downturns of business or family whatever it is better um, so yeah I, I completely think they're interlinked one thing you just mentioned as well that's really interesting is you were still looking after your health in terms of you were aiming to put on size, you had a very direct goal, you were acting in, in accordance with that goal and turning up to the gym and doing what needed to be done. But that wasn't in line with your mental performance. And I think that's something where a lot of people go wrong is when they think of health and fitness, it's like this transformation of getting completely and utterly shredded or six pack or just physique. And they don't actually think about what that's doing to the mental side of things and the physiological side of things like it damages your energy sometimes and stuff like that so i think for for most people listening to this it's finding their individual physical performance that can aid their mental performance would that be correct in saying yeah i mean i used to be a 56 kilo fighter so i've always been very slim so for me i made a i made a conscious decision to neglect personal and mental performance in order to put on some size. So now I'm sitting at 68 kilos. At one point I was 72 at my heaviest. So when I was at 72, I was like, right, you know what? I've had enough now, I've had enough. I've not had uh, a six pack of visible abs for about two or three years. 
I, uh, my energy is not where it needs to be. I've finally put on enough mass where I'm like, right, from an aesthetic perspective, I'm pretty happy here. I just need to dial it in a little bit. So that I had an aesthetic goal. I'd never done an aesthetic transformation before. So I also wanted to try and understand my clients a little bit more. So it was a bit of a social experiment. Okay, well, as a, as a very slim guy trying to put on some size, how do I do that? And I'd seen many of my clients doing that. So I was like, well, let me try and get into their clients. So this is how I think. Of course, I had the aesthetic goal, but then another part of me was like, well, I want to get into not only my clients' heads, but I want to get into my clients' clients' heads of putting on size and then doing a cut. So that's essentially part of the, the thinking. And then I got to the point, I was like, right, I've had enough now. I, I know there's just, on an energetic level, there's more from me. So I, I threw in my boxing, dialed back on, on calories. But essentially the, the thing I did to knock my calories over, I was having like an 800 to 1,000 calorie shake at the end of the day, every day, to just pack in that, that protein and, and all of that, that energy, those, fat, those carbs, those fats. And just wasn't optimal because it was impacting my sleep. I was going to bed bloated all the time. And I'm just overall was just mentally, it was it was fine, but it wasn't optimal. And I don't live for fine. So it got to this point where I was like, right, you know what? I put on enough mass where I'm happy where I'm at right now. And I'm happy to dial this in. And I dialed it in. So all I did was I took out that shake, still ate similar. Lots of protein, lots of healthy th um, fish and, and supplementation, all those various different things. Then I added in a boxing session. And then I've added an extra little run a week on top of my, my other plan. And now where we've, we've hit scale and at the minute we've got a fulfillment issue, not demand issue. So uh, at the moment my, my diary is really packed and it's really tight. So I don't have uh, 90 minutes to go into the gym. So I've now got this routine where I can do 30 minutes in the gym in the morning, four to five times a week on top of my boxing. So, again, as an entrepreneur, your stuff's going to change. It's like, right, well, where am I at? What is truly important to me? Um, but my boxing, I'm starting to get the boxing bug back, and it's helping me feel sharper. Uh, cutting back the weight. Again, I've, I operate better with less food, not more food. So they are all deeply intertwined, um, but you just got to look at your value set and what's in, important to you. So when I started putting the size on, I was like, right, I've been fed up of always being skinny. I want to put some size on. I want to understand my clients' clients. So let's put push those two. And the value set was in that order. I personally want to put on some more size. And I want to understand my clients' clients. And as I got to that point, I was like, right, you know what? I feel much bigger. It's interesting. And I've got the data. We've got the measurements. We can see it. Um, time to do the, the next part of the clients' clients' journey. It's like ta tailoring back. But actually, you got to the point where you have so many meetings, so many calls, so many things to think about. So well, hang on that that goal of getting much bigger isn't serving me at the minute. So what's more important? Is it that I'm, I'm bigger or actually is it that I perform better? So that's where I think it's four weeks ago. Yeah, four weeks ago, I made that conscious choice to, to dial that back in. So they're all deeply interlinked, but you just got to ask yourself well, what's important. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what it comes down to is like you, you mentioned values there of what's actually in alignment with your values. I think you see, I see this in the fitness industry a hell of a lot is people acting way out of alignment with their values because they feel it's like it's the right thing to do. This is when it comes to the physical side of things. Um, we've seen it with clients. I've been through this myself massively where I've got shredded for a shoot and then put on a bit more body fat and then I feel like the right thing to do is get shredded again and then you get shredded and it just leads to a point of like you're doing it for the wrong reasons and that then leads to all these other emotions mentally where you're not at your best and you're not at your peak or, or you're not being optimal at all, um, whether that's procrastination or whatever it is. 
uh, and actually taking a step back from the physique thing so much for myself and focusing on performance and how I feel and having a body and a physique that actually represents me, my business and supports me through, again, going back to resilience, all of these things. That was the best thing that I could have done rather than kidding myself that I wanted to go and do another shoot again and then ended up in a position of like doing a bodybuilding show and hating my life or something like mm. that. Um, so I think acting in accordance with your values is so important. And I think that's a lot, a lot of people listening to this won't even know what our values are on that side of things. So it's really important to actually maybe take five minutes and just note down, these are the things that are important to me. It's important to have a body that has unstoppable energy. It's important that I have great confidence. It's important that I can be resilient and you know be there when i need to be there um so yeah i think i think that's really important so dude coming to the uh coming to the end of the podcast um i would love it if you could just give like one bit of advice for anyone that's listening to this who's looking to make a change in their life for the better whether that's fitness whether it's business whether it's in their family or rela- uh, relationships i'd love just one general bit of advice that someone can go away with and maybe implement off the back of this yeah so if you um look at life like a big experiment it changes the game because a lot of people are quite fatalistic. I've either won or I've failed. I've succeeded, I've failed. It's either worked or it hasn't worked. Whereas if you can take the life of a scientist, the scientist has a hypothesis. I believe this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. I'm going to test it and let's see how it goes. It takes a lot of pressure off because you're not involved. You're just running on a hypothesis. My hypothesis is we can bring psychological freedom to the world and we believe that we can impact thousands of clients. So... That's my hypothesis. And I've got a, a game plan that I'm going to test. And then I check in on that monthly and quarterly to see whether my hypothesis is coming true or not. So there's no, I'm going to show everyone that I'm the best or that uh, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. It's just, this is my hypothesis, dude. So when you start to hypothesis, think in, hypothesis, in a hypothesis, you're just proving or disproving that. It's just data. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about, well, this is what I think. And it allows you to create a little bit of psychological and emotional distance between what's happening. And that's not to say I don't give a shit. I deeply care about every single client that comes through our program. Um, you know, our, our NPS score is 85. So any business owners that use NPS score will know that's world-class, absolutely world-class customer levels of satisfaction. And I want to continue that. I won't compromise on that. So it doesn't mean I don't give a shit, but when it comes to the results and the outcomes from a financial perspective uh, or a client results perspective, I have that distance to look at it almost more stoically, like, okay, well, is it still delivering? Yeah, okay, great, well done. Or actually, on a financial level, we didn't hit our target. All right, well, what what impacted that? How did that happen? And has that got anything to do with Kieran's self-worth? No, it doesn't. So I, I would say treat life like a hypothesis and like an experiment. Whenever you go to try something new, not I'm going to be a successful X or Y, it's like, well, I've got this idea. I've got a hypothesis. I'm going to test it. And here's my parameters for success and failure. Here are the inputs I'm going to put into it. I'm going to run it for four weeks, six weeks. And this is the same with your clients when they're going on a fitness journey. You're both, you and the client are running a high, uh, an experiment to see, okay, well, if they train like this and if they eat like this, will they have the energy, the confidence, uh, and will they get the received aesthetic uh, that they want? And that's it. And then you run that experiment for four, six, eight, 12 weeks. Not... I'm going to prove my family wrong. I'm going to show my partner I can do something. No, you can use that as fuel if you want. And that's okay. Um, but that's going to be very tiring. So if you can just almost surrender to hypothesis thinking of, I'm going to run this experiment and let's see how it goes. It just takes a lot of pressure off. That was an amazing answer. A really amazing answer. That was really cool. Um, dude, where can people find you? 
before we end this. So at Total Mental Performance on Instagram, www.totalmentalperformance.com. Uh, it's where you can it's where you can find us. Uh, ultimately, I I do have um, clients outside of Total Mental Performance. Those are typically high net worth individuals, so business owners, CEOs, executive investors. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, I've, you know, I've got a, a, a six, seven, well, probably not six, seven, eight, nine figure business and I want to really grow to another level, but I know it's my emotions that are holding me back, then, then, then drop me a line. Yeah, and also just to just finish on there, they probably won't uh, want to admit it's their emotions holding them back. So guys, uh, for anyone listening to this, because I've been in that position before, it's worth just having a conversation and a chat um, if you are resonating with anything that Kieran said here. Kieran, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And yeah, amazing chat, dude. My pleasure.